Like the fact that it took social media, like, I don't know, it looks like about 35 months to get to 100 million users. And that was not that long ago, right? That's like 13 years ago. <laughs> you know, like that's not that long ago. And now ChatGPT did the same thing in two months. That is bananas. What it tells you is that like the innovation in ChatGPT is not going to happen in years. It's going to happen in weeks. What matters in your business strategy and how you execute is to understand what is important and what is urgent. And what we're trying to tell you is that, that AI is both important and urgent, right? That the evolution of AI is moving exceptionally fast and faster than any major technology shift that we've had in the last 50 years. Before we get to today's show, let me tell you about HubSpot. Finding a service solution that helps you keep your customers happy can feel impossible. Like try to remember the name of that guy you literally just met at the networking event. HubSpot's all new service hub can help. It brings together service and success together on one platform with AI-powered help desk and chatbots to handle your frontline support tickets. So you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. Visit hubspot.com service to learn more. Welcome to another episode of Marketing Against the Grain, your show for marketing-minded people everywhere. I'm your co-host, Kip Bodner, the CMO over at HubSpot. I'm joined, as always, by my friend and co-host, Kieran Flanagan, who's the CMO over at Zapier. And today, we're talking about building a defensible business in a post-AI world. AI is bananas right now. It is going to change every business. I don't care what market you're in, what industry you're in. It is going to transform not just what you're capable of, but the threats against your business, the tactics and strategies that work. If you are not paying attention, you are in deep, deep trouble. On today's show, we're going to break down those things that aren't defensible anymore and give you ideas of where to invest more today to build a more durable, more defensible business. Kieran, you and I, the WhatsApps have been burning hot between you and I right now because GPT-4 is rumored to come out very, very soon. The world of AI is going bananas right now. I cannot wait for this. I actually tweeted you. I said, I might have to just like... You WhatsApp me. I need to quit my job so I can play with GPT-4 the whole time. <laughs> I just know how obsessed I'm going to get. Like if we just think about the evolution from 3 to 3.5 or the latest iteration of GPT, I'm expecting some pretty phenomenal things to start to come out of that next week. Yeah. So the rumors of GPT-4 is that it is going to be a multimodal model that is much, much heavier in voice and audio and video and multimedia, which will be a game changer for so many of those use cases. So Kieran, what, what I was thinking about is this is episode 101. We just crossed the 100 episode mark of Marketing Against the Grain. High five. What's up? We made it. We made it all the way to 100. Congrats, dude. We like talking to each other, it turns out. But in, in speaking of talking to each other, the early episodes, we were talking about AI at all, right? We were talking about marketing trends. We were talking about Web3. We were talking about Web3. <laughs> I still think there's a lot of Web3 potential, but that's another show for another day. I do, I do think there is, but it's incredible how quickly we are trend chasers as well. <laughs> <laughs> that's to totally true. But then, you know, so it was like, I don't know, we were probably 40 episodes in before we really started talking about AI. And when we started talking about AI, I remember like our mind was blown with Dolly, right? Where we could do a prompt and generate an image. Like we kept talking about that for like a couple months. And now we're talking about the release of a language model that is going to have massive modalities across all types of media and basically do things that we can't even comprehend. And that's all happened in like the span of like six months. It's crazy. Especially video. 
I think I've seen some earlier views on how disruptive this is going to be to video. And so I'm really eager to see what it looks like in terms of the kind of evolution of AI for video. We were doing an AI company kind of hangout at Zapier and I created a little deck and I, for fun, was trying to find like good video apps where you could do text to video and the video would create the avatar. Yeah. And there was a company, I think it was called Reels.ai or something where I let the AI create the script. I just give it a prompt and I created the avatar and it created a 20 second presentation. And even though the quality was kind of meh, it was fine. Like we would never use it in anything meaningful. It still was a good like indication of why, like you can start to wrap your head around, I can just type in some things and someone is going to create an educational piece of content, an educational course, a presentation. And it's not there yet, but I wonder with GPT-4, how good that experience is going to be. I think it's going to be 10x better. By all accounts, you know, each iteration of the GPT model is a huge step forward. And that's, and that's what we want to talk about on today's show. We want to talk about because this market is changing so dramatically, what it means to be a defensible business today is very different. Like if you are not actively taking a step forward and evolving your business strategy because of the ramifications of artificial intelligence, your likelihood of failure as a business is increasing exponentially every couple of months. It's bananas to me what's happening right now. And some businesses, actually, even one that blew my mind, I hadn't thought about this industry being as disrupted as it already is being. And someone who's a really great creator and developer on Twitter who's building AI tools, built like a agency, like a model agency for doing, you know, when models were closed for online stores or you need models to do different things for you for like online shots. And in the today world, or maybe even a yesterday world, like you would actually have to hire the model, correct? get them to try on the things, do the photos, where this person has created like an, an agency where all of the people are created by AI. That part blew my mind, which is, oh my God, like you can replace all of these agencies overnight yes. who book real people to do photo shoots and things like that with AI avatars that are just created and are much cheaper to actually get to do that stuff and are probably unique because you can just have them unique to your shots. Do you know how you tell in the early days? They don't have hands. Oh, is that real? A lot of the AI avatars, they're really bad at doing hands right now. So hand model, hand model there's, there's is still a defensible business. <laughs> yes, shout out to <laughs> our is, hand model friends okay. out. Which, but by the way, Kieran, while you're talking about this, I have another business for you that I'm like, wow, they're kind of fucked. Like, think about Cameo. Their whole business is to have celebrities do quick, like, video messages and audio yeah, yeah. messages. Yeah, yeah, you can just do fakes. Oh, they're screwed. AI I, is going to be able to do that for celebrities. It's not over, but man, they're going to have to embrace that and make it easier for celebrities to adopt that. You know, it's like you're either going to get run over or you're going to adopt. If you're a cameo, disrupt yourself. Yes, that's my Build point. Build the technology to create deep, although I don't know what the copyright is on all this, right? So maybe the artists can actually just license their likeness to Cameo's AI and Cameo can then their likeness. do it. Cameo can just actually use the AI to do it. That's why I don't think they're screwed, but I mean, their no, current not version of their business is not good, right? No. If they don't lean in, if they're not a top partner with somebody like an open AI or a stable diffusion, then they're going to be in a really tough spot. This is exactly what this show is about, is like, for the most part, where can you build defensibility and where do you have to disrupt yourself? Maybe we should just go through like the top 100 private companies and go, f*** or not. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. It's kind of like, f*** or not, or like there's a middle ground of like, they have to move 
to evolve real quick. They have to like, I think the cameo example was a really good thing. It was like, there's a path forward for them, but wow, they have to move and they have to move quickly. Okay, I've got it. <laughs> F- move or sell the business. <laughs> yeah, sell it to some sucker who doesn't realize that that category is going to be massively disrupted by AI, right? All right, where do we want to start? Let's start with folks around why AI is coming after arguably any business today, right? And it's going to have a much bigger business. I think right now, a lot of the focus on AI's impact on like just technology companies. I don't care what business you're in. If you're in construction, if you're in healthcare, if you're in technology, AI is going to have a massive impact on your business. That is like first takeaway from today's show. Like it's coming for everybody. It's coming for everybody. By the way, I meant to say on off, I'll do it on mic. I meant to do this before we started. I'm drinking tea. Hopefully Darren doesn't mind. So if you're watching on the YouTube, you're going to see me constantly drinking tea. I'm Irish. This is what we do. There's milk in your tea then. Oh, there's almond milk. I don't almond drink milk. milk. And- I don't drink dairy. I have milk. What? <laughs> I'm drinking water today for everybody on the YouTubes. Okay, so there's two places I think you and I believe get disrupted really fast. And actually, this kind of attracts to most of the conversations that I'm hearing in my network, which is product and educational content. Like they get commoditized quite fast and they're really disruptive to businesses because businesses really build off the fact that they have some sort of differentiation in product and some sort of differentiation in how they do marketing, which is Typically, like in our space, B2B, not maybe as common in B2C, but it's through that kind of educational content or that mm-hmm. content marketing angle. And I thought one of the places we could start is, first of all, touch upon who wins. So there are winners, I think, in a post-AI world that gets commoditized. Yeah. And it feels like who wins are hardware companies. Like if you look at NVIDIA. NVIDIA, AMD, all the chip makers, the GPU makers and everything are going to win for sure. They're going to win. Great time to be a hardware company. And great time to be a back-end company, right? If you mm-hmm. own the infrastructure, Azure, any of the cloud companies, like there's a great call to be made that they're all winners. Even like databases, like I do wonder, like Snowflake and co. Like, oh, I think Snowflake and all the data companies are winners too. I agree with you. Huge, huge winners. Who gets commoditized? Everybody else. Well, <laughs> all, no, no, all no, of the no, middleware. Let's, let's break it down what's really happening for people. And I want to see if you agree with me or not, right? So what Kieran's saying is a lot of technology companies are going to get commoditized in the world. I I think it's beyond the technology market, but let's talk about technology and software for just a minute. The first thing I think we're going to see is right now, if you use technology, the majority of people are using technology through a graphical user interface, right? They're clicking on something on their desktop or they're tapping on something on their mobile phone and they're doing multiple taps and clicks and getting to an answer, right? A part of that usage, and I think a big part of that usage is going to move to a chat-based interface where You know, at HubSpot, we launched ChatSpot very recently, which allows you to ask a bot questions from your HubSpot data and to basically use the HubSpot product through a chat interface in addition to a graphical user interface. And I think that is going to be a big change. There's going to be a lot of disruptions to the design industry, the user experience industry. Those are like big, massive, important industries, not just across technology, but across, you know, how people use cars. Like think about if you're a car manufacturer, it's like, Voice prompts to get to where you need and to get your car to do something is going to be night and day better in a year or two than it is today. Right. Right. Like you still have to like tap through the menu on your car like five times to get anywhere. Right. Yeah. And so first big change, first big disruption is the move from graphical user interface to a blend of graphical user interface and a chat slash like command line interface. And I can give you actually a great Please. a great little data point to back that up. When we look at OpenAI data in Zapier, and if you come in and actually connect through OpenAI through to Zapier, you're more likely to use much more apps, which shows you that 
that interface helps you to better connect mm-hmm. and use a wider array of apps. And so that's the kind of thing we're starting to see, which is chat is becoming much more the kind of user interface of choice to go do a bunch of things oh, in all of these other apps. So that's I think- super interesting. What I want people to understand with Kieran and his role at Zapier, Zapier has some of the best data on the internet about how technology is changing and how people are using technology. And so the fact that you all are seeing that is a big, big signal that not only is change happening, but it's happening quickly, right? It's happening quickly. I think this is the thing. Let me show him how quick this is happening. Chart. Yeah, please, please. Oh, you got a chart. I love it when he has a chart. The reason I did this chart was I was like, okay, well, AI is just another technological advancement. And so yeah. compared to the big ones we've seen previously, which changes the way we build businesses, How does it look? Oh, whoa, this is interesting. All right, so this is cool, right? Like, it's hard to compare these things because (laughs) because of human population, but I compared them anyway. Yes. And so this is the time it took to reach either 100 million units sold, because obviously I looked at number of TV sets sold. Mm -hmm. Harder to look at actually viewership. Did you build this chart? I built this chart. Whoa, look at you chart building. Look at me chart building. props, man. Now, ChatGBT got me all the data. (laughs) Um, Fair. So it's probably wildly wrong. But it's directional. Yeah, so I did units for TV, listeners for radio, and users for everything else, devices for mobile phones. And if you look at the pace of evolution... This is a mind-blowing chart. For People should be looking at this on YouTube right now. I just wanted to tell people that. Like the internet took about four years to get to 100 million users. Chat GPT took two months. And the point (laughs) of this chart is that... AI is going to move faster, I think, than anything we have seen before yes. in terms of the changes that have happened in how we grow businesses. And that, again, just speaks to how important it is to wrap your head around this stuff. So I think what it tells you is, this chart tells you a few things, like hardware and physical goods is harder, it's slower to adopt. But it also just tells you in general, the pace of adoption, the pace of innovation has been increasing dramatically. Like the fact that, you know, social media... It took social media, like, I don't know, looks like about 35 months to get to 100 million users. And that was not that long ago, right? That's like 13 years ago. <laughs> you know, like, that's not that long ago. And now ChatGPT did the same thing in two months. That is bananas. What it tells you is that, like, the innovation in ChatGPT is not going to happen in years. It's going to happen in weeks. Right. And that is why this chart's really important. But part of what matters in your business strategy and how you execute is to understand what is important and what is urgent. And what we're trying to tell you is that that AI is both important and urgent, right? That the evolution of AI is moving exceptionally fast and faster than any major technology shift that we've had in the last 50 years. Yeah, I agree. And why does it matter? Well, coming back to product, AI becomes table stakes feature. Yes. And even I've seen some of the companies that I've invested in starting to think about, okay, should we really pivot hard into generative AI? So we really start to think about how to incorporate AI from day one. And the thing that I am trying to wrap my head around is when we talk about the back end and the hardware versus the middleware, and the middleware is like the companies that are going to get squished. A lot of the companies being built today are kind of standalone middleware companies built. They're a wrapper around a back end AI platform. And a lot of the large companies will just integrate AI into their platforms, right? And so like even trying to take a part of a platform and featureize it around AI is hard because at some point that platform just integrates AI, maybe slower, but like taking a slice of what a platform does and doing it in an AI-centric way may not be as disruptive as you think because all of these platforms will have AI in them at some point, like Microsoft, all of these large companies. Right. This gets into the the couple of things that you and I think are very defensible in a post-AI world. Right. And if you were looking at your business today, what you would say is, do I have unique and special data? 
Yes or no? And if the answer is yes, wow, I have some real defensibility. And if, if the answer is like, I depend on somebody else for my data, wow, that is a big risk to your business because the currency of the AI generation is going to be data, right? And so, wow, if I don't have, if I don't have data, I'm in a tough spot. The next thing is distribution. Do I have the ability to scale and get my product to market in a really efficient and quick way? Because if I do, then I could take advantage of this fast innovation with AI and plug that in to my distribution network. And so one of the things about AI, for better or for worse, it favors incumbents. It favors incumbents. It favors companies that are established, that have existing distribution, have existing data. Quora is a really great example of one of these companies, has very unique distribution, released Poe. I've been playing with Poe. It's not sticky. Like the use case, it starts to become really hard. You have to figure out a way to make that data very sticky. And the thing that I've realized is if your data is just like a segmented version mm-hmm. of ChatGPT, right? With Quora's model on top, right? Like just the yeah. additional data on top. There's not really anything cool about that versus, I just go back to playing with ChatGPT. Like it's not sticky enough. There's not enough originality for me to actually want to play with that. And so in terms of like the companies who have data, there has to be something I think pretty magical about why that data is better than what you can get from a lot of these large language models as they are. Well, Kieran, I want to, I want to drop something on you and see if you agree with me or not. This would be kind of a corollary to the chart you just showed everybody a couple of minutes ago. What's the thing that we knew about all of those platforms? Let's think through it. TV. How many channels did people watch for the longest time in TV? Five. Like four or five. Three, if you were in Ireland. Yeah, three. And what happened? We got all these cable channels that nobody watched, and now we have a handful of streaming channels that people watch, right? Right. What happened in radio? Every town had their, like, their five to seven radio stations. What happened in social media? Well, we had our five to seven social media apps used. What happened when we got the iPhone? Well, we downloaded all these apps, but we never used them, Yeah, right? We used five apps the majority of the time. Let's not lie to ourselves. In this AI world, people are going to interact with AI in different ways, but each individual person or business, it's really going to have like the three to seven use cases. It's not going to be 50. It's not going to be 100. And if you think that it's going to be something different, you just haven't paid attention to how humans use and adapt technology over the last freaking century. There's going to be a couple of really large winners who have all of the outweighted success, which yes. is we've seen in all those categories, the exact same thing happened. They eventually end up in a couple of large businesses and become monopolies within that space. We'll be right back. But before, let me tell you about another podcast I love. Nudge, hosted by Phil Agnew, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Ever noticed how the smallest changes have the biggest impact? On Nudge, you learn simple evidence-backed tips to help you kick bad habits, get a raise, grow a business. Every bite-sized 20-minute show comes packed with practical advice. Nudge is fast-paced, but it's still insightful with real-world examples that you can apply. Oh, and it's the UK's fastest-growing business podcast. If you want an MBA's worth of insight in one podcast, this is the right show for you. Entrepreneurs will love this show because it's filled with repeatable proven studies not hearsay and one-off success stories. You're going to love the show because I was interviewed by Phil. You can go check out my episode. And I recently listened to an awesome episode. It's called Six Scientifically Proven Persuasion Techniques. It's a must listen for anyone in marketing. Listen to Nudge wherever you get your podcasts. 
this brings up my third kind of defensible part of this. Can I talk about distribution? Yeah. Okay. Let's let's go. Go. Because I actually, I have some points that I maybe disagree with. I think if you have a distribution motion that's already strong, right? So you have domain authority, yeah. established domain authority, you have established virality, you have a strong partner motion. I think all those things are a good defensible distribution for some time if you have strong activation and retention, because you actually need to be able to keep the people when they come and try you out first. If you don't, they're going to have, think about what we're talking about. There's just going to be tons of optionality in the market. So if actually, if you win the distribution race, but they're like, ah, like your product's not that good or your onboarding experience is not that good. I'll go try one of these other 10. Then you actually lose the value of having that notion in the first place. The other thing that I do think are caveats that we should talk about, a lot of those distribution moats are built on search and content. That gets commoditized over time. And even if you have good domain authority, that erodes over time and you end up being commoditized not only by competitors, but changes in search behaviors. We've talked about that. Mm -hmm. Search gets pushed back, cannibalized by AI assistant. The content somewhat disappears. The other thing with virality is it skews to the lower end of the market, right? It skews to the lower end of the market. And when you start to want to move up market, you have to start to integrate automation and sales outreach. And all that stuff is going to get automated and commoditized away because everyone's customer experience, if you integrate AI, should be really good, but they're all going to be really good. You just contradicted yourself because I completely disagree with the point you're making. Okay, hit me. You are making it seem that this is going to impact just a handful of companies. It's going to impact everyone. No, I think it impacts everyone. Search is going to get disrupted for everyone. And so my point is, if you already have a distribution advantage now, you have people who understand how that works. First of all, you have a bigger margin of error to get disrupted. You have people who can figure out how to get new distribution in this new world. If you don't have any of that, it's going to be actually just harder. Like, I I think the wave of commoditization is going to affect everybody equally and normalize everything based on where people started before it. And so if you had a lead before it, you're going to still have a lead. I don't think it's going to be one of those waves that washes everybody out and then people can come in and disrupt hugely. Are you saying the opposite? Do you disagree with that? Like you're saying that there's a window for people to come in and disrupt or what? I'm saying that it gives you a lead, but that lead gets eroded over time. I I think it gets eroded over time. Yeah, I agree with that. You have to take advantage of it. Hold on. That goes into my third thing because I want to get you to react to this as part of this discussion, which is fortune favors the bold in AI. You have to look at this in almost a binary way of like, I'm going to have real urgency and be bold in my adoption here, or I'm going to die long term anyway. Right. Like the argument you and I are making in this discussion is that AI is going to commoditize and disrupt so many businesses that the way to prevent that is to be very bold and move forward to embrace AI as quickly as possible. Fortune favors the speed, like the people who are quick. The urgent. You're arguing that in AI world, fortune favors the urgent. Urgency matters more than anything else. Being first in this market matters more than anything else because you get commoditized so fast. Look at just the tools that were created Mm -hmm. and then the next day, 10 more of them and the next day, 20 more of them and the next day, 50 more of them. I have a brilliant idea. Is this better than Zeus juice? Better than Zeus juice? I don't know. Zeus juice is... No, this is a a money-making scheme, Karen. Are you ready for a money-making scheme? Oh, you know I'm a schemer. I'm all about scheming. What if we took the Zapier data? It's actually, you should do this at Zapier. You took all the Zapier data of public companies and their adoption rate of different open API features and the use of those features and made an ETF out of that. So basically, the public companies that were most adopting the AI, you could just basically buy an ETF that is weighted towards all those companies. I would bet like $100,000 that's going to outperform the market over the next 36 months. I um, Like, tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. 
No, I think actually, I think that's really, so. <laughs> Are you figuring out how to do it in your head right now? <laughs> First of all, I just want to say, if anyone from Japan is watching this, I'm pretty sure it's illegal to do that. I'm not doing it. So just think, <laughs> but I was, uh, I, but you're saying I could use publicly available Zapier data to do it. Yeah, you could do, but I was actually looking at, um, I can actually see all of the companies that are most integrated with, or most people using ZapSquid mm -hmm. for open AI. So I can see like the leaderboard of all companies that are most well, popular. Well, I don't know why you guys aren't publishing a Zapier open AI index. The top companies that are being used. Oh, that's good actually, yeah. I like that. For open AI, used for stable diffusion, right? And then, then if that was publicly available information, I just wanted just to happen to build a composite fund around that, <laughs> this I could. This is a Zapier marketing meeting, let's go. <laughs> what other ideas do we have? I'll slack you all the problems I have right there. Do you right know there. how much that will crush? You know how many inbound links you're going to get off of a, the freaking open AI index? You know how many VCs like will just be staring at that list all the time? I do like that, actually. Most apps being used in conjunction with AI. And you could do a blend or you could do, hey, here's the page for open AI. Here's the page for stable diffusion. And you could say, here's the ones that are using video use cases, audio use cases, and just build out a whole, you know, 10 to 20 page part of the Zapier website. Yeah. It would crush, dude. It's coming. There is some really good AI stuff, I think, already published, but I think that is a good nudge because there's so much incredible data for us to figure out how to publish it. I know like half of your marketing team listens to the pod. <laughs> so hopefully by the time this is published, they'll already be on it. What's the ones who govern like Insight Trading? <laughs> <laughs> the SEC? <laughs> <laughs> and compliance. It's not insider trading if you guys publish all of the data no, I know. on it's the public. internet and then we just go and made our own composite weighted version of we have X amount of money and we're just going to divide that money across these 15, 20 companies that are the most AI invested companies. Yeah, it does help you to see like who are the companies that have good AI use cases. And what you guys have is the real adoption data. And I want to see that yeah. because it's like, oh, here are people customers at companies using real AI use cases. And I, if I'm long on the AI market, I just want to bet on those companies right. as an investor, as a partner, as anything, right? I like that a lot. I think that's a good idea for me to try and figure out how to do. One of the other things that's related to what you're talking about is how do you feel about company size? So in terms of what's defensible, so you, it favors incumbents. Yeah. One of the arguments you can make against incumbents is that AI first companies are going to be much leaner. Correct. In terms of, efficiency of number of employees. And that does not favor public incumbent companies because layoffs and things like that are much harder. Well, so you are making a very interesting point. And I am in agreement with you on this point. I'm going to try to, to double down on it. You would say, if you listen to a lot of this episode so far, that you're like, oh, wow, if I'm, a, I'm an upstart company, the, the decks are stacked against me. I'm now going to argue the case for the upstart company. The case for the upstart company is capital is getting really expensive. And there's a bunch of challenges in the capital markets. We're seeing that this week with some of the challenges of the Silicon Valley Bank and, and everything that's going on. So the capital markets are going to be harder to raise money. AI, I think the innovation is going to go up and the costs are going to come down. So those businesses have the potential to be very profitable, the businesses that are leaning to AI. They're going to need less people. So the revenue per employee is going to be much higher than most of the incumbents out there. My thesis is that the future of our society is way more businesses created with fewer employees. I think we are going to move to an era where the big giant, the number of big giant companies in the world is going down, not going up. And you know what metric is going to be fascinating to track over time Tell is me. revenue per employee. Yes. Revenue per employee. That is the golden metric. Like when you start to compare, the look that I want over time is, Companies that have integrated AI versus companies that have not integrated AI. 
deeply into just their working model, their go-to-market, everything yeah. across the company. Revenue per employee is split across those two cohort of companies. I would love to see if that comes down over time and profits stay stable or, or go up. Like the, like the fascinating thing about the Twitter saga is like not just all of the insane things, <laughs> like the fact that Elon is having some sort of, I don't know what is going on with him. But the fascinating thing about the Twitter thing is, okay, he's been getting a lot of credit for the reduction of headcount that he can do because yeah. it's a private company. If it was a public company, he could not, any normal company, he couldn't do the things that he's doing. But what I'm really eager to see then is profits, right? Like actually, yes. is it just a case of bringing employee efficiency down? Expense down. Yeah. And I've heard that profits are not going, they are coming down as well. But that's why the revenue per employee is such a great metric because you can actually see over time, are you making more money for the amount of employees that you have? And I think that's going to be a really important metric as we start to evolve towards AI. My thing is that there are opportunities for the upstarts out there. And I think long, long term, we're going to live in a world where you've got, you know, these really great 100 to 500 employee size companies instead of, you know, 1,000 to 10,000 employee size companies, right? And I right. think that's a really good thing. I think the smaller teams are more agile and can innovate, can move our society forward faster, which I think I think could be a really great thing. And they can focus on work and not admin, which, geez, that's pretty amazing. Dude, <laughs> dude. I heard something yesterday about somebody. I, I, I can't even share on air. Share on air. This is the but whole basically bar. somebody who was like, no, no, somebody who was interested in a job at HubSpot from a larger company. And their role was so focused that I did not realize that was even a job that could exist. <laughs> like, I did not know how one could dedicate <laughs> their like whole life to this like super, super microscopic use case. It literally blew my mind. Like I almost WhatsApped you immediately and was like, dude, I have to tell you this. So it's just an example of like, we've over-specialized people in a lot of ways yeah. and we need to get people yeah. back to a broader set of knowledge really so they work. can switch context and, and everything. Okay, before we get to the next point in today's show, I want to ask you a favor. Kieran and I are out here. We're working hard to create the best content for you. We'd love a donation back by hitting that subscribe button on YouTube. We would love it if you watch more than one episode of Marketing Against the Grain. Hit subscribe, become a long-term listener and subscriber. Thank you, thank you so much. Hey, let me throw two more at you. Yeah, go ahead, go. Community, I think is somewhat an interesting mm -hmm. thing to think about how defensible that is. Because to your point about only having five to seven AI use cases that really dominate, you're never gonna have users that are in multiple communities. So if you can get that user in the community, they're usually gonna stay there. I actually don't have great examples of communities that are not really tied into the brand. Like Notion has an incredible community. Shout out to them. They have a great AI feature. I was using it for some of the notes I put together for this episode. Mm -hmm. Figma obviously have a great, incredible community, but it's deeply tied to the use cases of their product. Miro, who just launched actually AI features, have a community, but it's deeply tied to the user cases of the product. I think when it's deeply tied to the use case of the product, if you can have an AI product with community at its core, that is quite defensible if you can make that really good. Yeah, It's harder when it's like ancillary, like it's on the side of the product. I think that's harder to make that defensible. I don't even have like good examples of brands who've created like a great community that's not deeply tied into the product. Well, let me, let me try this on for you. I think community is a defensible aspect of a business long-term, partially because it's a very unique and real-time data set. You know, when you have community, you're creating this real-time data model that's really, really interesting. And because... There are limitations to artificial intelligence. And one of the things that are scarce in a post-AI world is like perspective, opinion, those aspects of human interaction. And communities are full, chock full of those things. 
And so I think one of the ways companies are going to differentiate long term as features get commoditized, they're going to get differentiated at the community level. All right. You would argue your differentiation comes from community? Yes. I would yeah. say that community is going to be a core part of differentiation. One other thing you wanted to throw out before the show, what else did you want to throw? We can end on this. That We don't need to spend a lot of time on it because I think it could be an entire episode, but I think brand... We got to do a whole separate show on brand. Yeah. Is brand defensible or not? Because brand, for the most part, is baked around your strong point of view and a differentiated point of view. But if we're arguing that everything gets commoditized in terms of product feature sets then how do you elevate brand to stand for something differentiated if product is commoditized? I think that is an interesting take or topic to discuss. Yeah. First of all, hit the subscribe button on YouTube. Second of all, leave us a comment if you think we should do a whole episode of like brand marketing and building brand in a post-AI world, which is really kind of what we're talking about. I don't want to go in that today. That's a whole deeper subject that we could go Agreed. into, Kieran. And I think it's a big and important one. On today's show, I think we tried to set the urgency level for everybody, show the pace of change that AI is having, the rollout of GPT-4. When GPT-4 comes out, Kieran, I think we got to do an emergency pod, right? We got to break down the impacts of GPT-4 for everybody, so we'll be back with that. We should uh, aggregate the best tweets, the best takes in GPT-4. I think we should do a tweet episode, Twitter show. Yeah, we could do that. But there are real things you can do right now to be defensible and make your business strategy and your marketing strategy more defensible having the right data, building community, building your distribution mechanisms for your business. Those are things that are going to work today. And a lot of companies are investing in those. Keep going or invest faster in those to build a long-term defensible business. Anything else you want to shout out to the audience before we get going today? The one thing we can all feel good about is we're all pretty much, like the difference between an AI beginner and an AI expert has never been so small. Yeah, it's very thin. And will never be so small. It will only grow. Yeah. So now is the best time to like really think about this stuff and think about how you can actually lean into it and leverage it for whatever part of your role, whatever part of your business. If you're a listener to this pod, if you are not successful over the next 10 years, it's your fault. It's not the world's fault. It's all your fault. It, no, no, <laughs> but no, and then it's in seriousness because the opportunity to learn yeah. and be a true expert in this next generation of the internet and technology is right here. And it is literally just about who can learn faster than others. And if you're willing to invest time and learn fast, you can transform your career, transform your life. That's what I, I firmly believe. I think you and I saw that in the last, in the social and web two and mobile shift. And that's coming right again, right now. Exactly. There are going to be some monumental winners. And if you are going to be one of them, please let me know and I will invest. <laughs> Kieran and I will be off making the Zapier AI index. Oh, index. And Stay tuned. I love that we did a half-baked marketing ideas for Zapier. We, I know. It's like a little we half-baked marketing in. idea drop. It's perfect. All right. I love it. This has been Marketing Against the Grain. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. And Kieran, we'll be back with everybody real soon. See you, everyone.